Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of What is a Podcast, the first episode in the new year, the first episode of 2020, and it's been a while since I've done What is a Podcast, it's also been a while since I've done like consistent YouTubing or consistent anything, um, just because of, you know, real life stuff, but it feels good to be back at what is a podcast feels good to be podcasting kind of nervous not gonna lie not sure how well this is going to go or how good or bad this is going to be but i'm glad to be back and up top some notes i want and i'm this is what i'm planning i'm planning to do what is a podcast to come out on sunday that's the plan i'm also planning a Love Island podcast called World of Love, which is already out. That's That already exists, and you can find that. I'm planning to do World of Love to come out Saturday. And I'm planning, if I have time to do like a YouTube thing, that would be Wednesday. That's what I'm planning. For any of you who care about those things, that's what I'm planning. Love Island podcast recap thing on Saturday. What is a podcast comes out Sunday, and then any YouTube miscellaneous bips and bobs or odds and ends, those will come out on Wednesday, and I think that gives me enough time to, you know, still have a job and things like that, you know? Um, Because if I didn't have a job, if I just, like, didn't do anything, and this was my job, then yeah, it would be, it would be great, it'd be consistent, but sadly, this is not my job. So I have to I have to do do some workarounds and that's why I took some time off. But you know, consider this potentially like we are being reborn. We're rising like the phoenix and we are back again once again better than ever, hopefully. Hopefully we always improve. It definitely improved since the first episodes I did. Those are god awful. But yeah. Anyway, back to like actually podcasting instead of just introducing things. Um, it's 2020 and I'm feeling pretty good, but the world sucks. I feel like we went into 2020 and 2019 was okay. Like 2019 had some bangers, it had some good things and a lot of shit. And then 2020 came and it's like, congratulations, you made it to a new decade, but also congratulations. The world is terrible. The world is awful. Everything is bad. We have Australia prayers going out to Australia, um, prayers going out to Iran, because Australia seems to be on fire, and our dumbass president Donald Trump is, you know, warmongering and starting a very public war with Iran, which people are calling World War Three, and we, I, I will be on the record, we do not need war, we don't need a world war. We don't need it. We don't need to, you know, shoot people. We don't need it. Australia, we need Australia. We need the people there. The people there, I assume a lot of them are good people. We need to protect Australia. We do not need to fire guns at everybody in the Middle East. It's just not what we need to do. We don't need to drone strike everyone in the Middle East. And I will also go on the record and say that I don't I'm not a geopolitical expert on these things. I am not the one you should come to for you know hard-hitting evidence about what happens in the Middle East in like politics and foreign policy and all that stuff. That's not where where my bag is at. But from 
and outsiders looking in, it seems like we did not need to do these things at all, right? Donald Trump did not need to do these things. Why now? Why start the year with terrible news for most Americans and for people around the world, right? And uh, the war isn't going to be fought on like American soil. So it's probably not the worst news for Americans. It's worse for our Iranian brothers and sisters. But I think you get what I mean. But also came, you know, the jokes. And it was strange because World War Three jokes and donating to Australia happened at more or less the same time. And Twitter went ablaze with jokes, right? People were making World War Three jokes left and right. If I get drafted this, if you get drafted that, me in World War Three this, you in World War Three that. And Australia, there was no jokes about Australia. There was no jokes about the fire in Australia. And I think what happened is people didn't take World War Three seriously at first. Because we've made like World War references and World War Three references before in a jokey manner. And anything can be a joke if it is like, you know, you're feeling in a jokey mood. But we made World War Three jokes like that before. And I think this time we didn't really take it seriously at first. And now we're like, oh shit, this is serious. Whereas Australia, Australia is real. And the fires were real. And we knew that from the jump. And the fires are like some of the worst fires that like anyone has seen. So my hypothesis is since that was like grounded in reality, we didn't really make jokes about Australia being on fire, but World War Three is fair game. And fires, to be clear, and again, prayers out to Australia, but fires are not above jokes because I am a Californian. I've born and raised in California, spent like 99% of my life in California. And I know for a fact that people were clowning on California because of all the fires we've been having in recent years. So fires in and of itself is not above jokes. But Australia being like a huge fire and Americans being like pretty ignorant of Australians, I think I can assume that in a general sense, we just didn't make jokes about it. And should we have made jokes about World War Three? I think once you realize that it's serious, you know, probably not. That's just my take on it. Probably not. But I have to admit, some of the jokes were funny. And I admit, I didn't think World War Three was serious at first either. I didn't realize, you know, all the goings on that Donald Trump was doing in Iran and the Middle East. I didn't realize that all that stuff was happening. So when I saw jokes, I thought it was just like a new trend, like New Year's, like January 1st, 2nd. On Twitter, like there's usually like some type of new joke that comes around on New Year's and it lasts like early January and then it fizzles out and we forget. Uh, The best example of this is like 2013 when we had the selfie Olympics and that was a great time on Twitter, but that came and went pretty quickly and that's what I thought this was and then I was like, oh shit, this is serious. But some of the jokes were funny, but you know, I do think that, you know, once you get into the nitty gritty and some people were making like straight up racist jokes and offensive jokes no bueno to that but it was like okay we had our fun and we realized that it's not really fun anymore so maybe the jokes should stop but at the same time I was also thinking like is it correct to police twitter jokes when if you've taken like an AP history course or a history course you know 
that during these times, like newspapers run political cartoons and there's political cartoons for any tragedy or for any event. Like what's the difference between a Twitter joke and a political cartoon? I mean, there are some differences, but I can't find anything like super different other than like Twitter jokes are a lot less formal. They take less time and you can tweet it and forget about it rather than an artist working for however long artists work. Um, but I was, that's what I was, that's how my mindset went. It's like, oh, this is funny. And I didn't really make any jokes myself, but I went, oh, this is funny. Oh shit, this is serious. And then I started getting big brain about it. Maybe I shouldn't be getting big brain about it as someone who is not in the military and as someone who's like not going to Iran anytime soon. Um, so maybe like I should just keep a regular brain and not go big brain about it. But that's where I went. Like what is the difference between a tweet about politics, a funny tweet about politics, or a meme about politics, and then what is... A political cartoon like how different are those things really although what I do think could be different is like the spreading the meme of war like I've seen and I'm a TikToker now if you didn't know I'm a 25 year old TikToker thanks for for noticing but on TikTok the jokes are a little bit different and they're like saying this war is shit but they're doing it in a really bad in not a really bad way a really like sort of comedic way and they're spreading it via meme and i think that if you spread like information like serious information as a meme it loses its value you see this with like in china like the concentration camps in china with uyghur my apologies if i pronounced that wrong but uyghur muslims and you saw it with like flint and clean water like people will paste like copy and paste that and create a meme and spread it out as a meme. And I don't think they understand that it's a meme, but it definitely is like being treated as a meme. And when you treat those things as memes, like the information just glazes over your eyes and it, you don't really take that information in. It's just another meme. It's another Brad, bad luck Brian or like deal with it dog or whatever. So, but at least that's my take on it. But it just seems like we came into this new year with the realization that the world continues to be awful. And I also have an opinion about this realization, and it has to do with Twitter again, but specifically Twitter moments. In times like this, when so many bad things are happening at the same time, Twitter moments is not a good place. I don't know what happens with like our brain chemistry or anything like that, but it cannot be good for every single Twitter moment that you see to be some tragic news about how the world is dying and how people are dying. Every Twitter moment cannot be about death and destruction and despair. Even though that stuff is happening and it's important to spread that information around, I do think we need some lightheartedness to pepper it in. It can't be every moment. And I do know, because I have multiple Twitter accounts, that Twitter Moments is curated to what Twitter thinks your interest is in. And since I was searching those things, that's what the Twitter Moments came up as. But you, it cannot be good to be bombarded with all those things. I remember I used to have like push notifications for like the news on my iPhone. And I had to get rid of it because it was just like, this person died, this person died, this person died, this person died. And I couldn't take it anymore. And I just deleted like 
the news post notifications from my phone, so I can't, I don't have to see that anymore. Maybe it's just me, or maybe it's not everyone, but it cannot be that way. And in normal circumstances, I think Twitter moments are a net positive. Like, Twitter moments can be, like, a way that the news can function. Like, you can get bite-sized chunklets of news. Snapchat used to be this way as well, and then Snapchat turned into, like, tabloid-level clickbait, and I don't exactly know why. But Twitter moments is, like, in at its best, is, like, little bite-sized news, news that's easily consumable for people who are addicted to their phones, right? At its worst... It's bombarding you with all these negative things that are making you sad, right? It's making you so sad because all the bad things in the world are being piled on you at one time, you know? Like, the whole world has bad shit going in, but we are not the whole world. We are just one person. We have our own little micro world. We cannot take all the world's negativity at one time. We're only one person. So whatever happens like all across the globe, if we're consuming that all at one time, like eventually like you're going to go into overload. And of course, naturally, people are going to want to fix the entire world. We cannot fix the entire world. We can fix a lot of things. And like when humans band together, we can fix a lot of things, but we cannot fix everything at one time. And if you just, at least for me, how I feel about it is if I dedicate myself to multiple things and now I'm speaking more generally, like not just geopolitical goings on, but like my regular everyday life. If I dedicate myself to so many more things, or if I want to do so many more things, I end up doing nothing. Like I spread myself so thin that you can't really do anything. And I feel like the feeling of not being able to do anything in the constant influx of media telling you all the bad shit that you want to do shit about when that happens it just you can't take it there's a point i think everyone has a point where you you just can't take it and i think early this year like twitter moments was that for me i had to like cut twitter moments from my life and it's sad because like twitter i think is the best social media twitter has its problems and you know it's negativity but i do think that twitter has you know the best platform but I had to like just get rid of those Twitter moments. I just couldn't I couldn't handle all the negativity. So, but it's getting better now. Like Twitter moments are better now. Um, but anyway, in other news, I cannot transition for the life of me. Like I I feel like segueing or how to segue should be on my list of what to improve. How to transition from one topic to another cuz I am so bad at it. But in other news, um, Meghan Markle, Prince Harry, they are stepping back, quote unquote, stepping back from royal activities. And my mom likes royal activities. I don't really pay attention to what goes on in the royal activities. But stepping away because Meghan and Harry are just having a hard time living the royal life, which is big news for Harry because he was sort of born into the royal life. They're having hard times living the royal life, so they're planning on splitting their time between America, I believe, and the UK. Um, and it's just like, I was like, this is big news, of course. Like, because Meghan Markle, she has had a tough time with not just the royal family, who knows what goes on in the fucking palace, 
But the British media has really been tough on Meghan Markle. And a lot of it is, like, coded racism. And I feel like British media as a whole, like, the... I don't know if tabloid is the right word for British media, but, like, the news outlets, a lot of them, like, they go after people in a way that I think, like, cannot be productive for, like, the actual people they're talking about. And again, I'm an outsider. I'm an American. So maybe I'm wrong. But, like, I'll see things from, like, Daily Mail or, like, things from, like, British outposts. And I'm like, oh, God, this is just mean. Like, it's one thing to criticize. It's another thing to be mean. And I think that sometimes, like, we cross over into meanness without meaning to i'm saying mean so many times but that's what i feel like british media does sometimes especially with like love island and i love love island but the social media surrounding love island is so bad so bad so negative so i don't like to throw around the word toxic so much because i feel like the weight that the word carries nowadays is a little too much but social media around love island can get toxic and it's so it's so so bad and megan markle is exceeding love island levels of toxicity like ever since she married prince harry and this is a lot of it is tied to racism you you can't you cannot argue with me that the criticism of megan markle is not tied to racism at least in some parts of it like it's it has to be tied tied to racism somehow and it's just like oh i would do the same shit too and i remember thinking like back when they got married and i learned that you know if you get married to a royal person you have to live as the royals do and get rid of like social media and stuff like that and you can't like work a regular job i really thought that she must love that man <clears throat> excuse me she must love Prince Harry. If she's willing to give up her acting job, she's willing to give up all the good shit in her life just to be with Prince Harry. And the royals being born into that, like maybe you get tired of that shit. I would get tired of that probably if you just had to be like a royal person and live in the palace all day. But doing as the royals do and being willing to give all that up for Harry, like I guess she really loved him. She really, or loves I should say. She really believes in this man if she wants to be in this lifestyle that's completely alien to her. And then with this, you know, new revelation, <clears throat> my throat, yikes. With this revelation, it really shows that Harry feels the same way about Meghan. Like Harry is willing to follow Meghan, get rid of all that royal bullshit and just say, look, I like you. You like me, we have a baby, let's do what's best for that. Because it cannot be good for the baby if your mom is upset all day. If people are being, if you, if you're a kid growing up in a community and everyone is mean to your mom, and I can only imagine that in the environment, I don't know for sure, right? But if everyone is mean for your, to your mom and treating your mom like a second rate citizen, and this happens like not in the royal family, but in the royal family when it's so condensed and everyone is like sort of on top of each other, if everyone is mean to your mom, you grow up like that, that cannot be good for the kid, you know? Like it can't be good to have your mom be so upset every day and you see that from childbirth to 18. That can't, it cannot be, you know, 
reasonable to say that this is a healthy environment for the kid. Yes, you have money. Yes, you're going to be taken care of and you have like all the amenities that you need and you probably have like a butler or an assistant or a, a concierge or something like that. Yes, you have all that stuff, but your brain is important. Your well-being is important. We need to take care of our well-being and Megan and Harry are doing that and I, I applaud them. And again, I'm an outsider to Britain. I like, you know, certain aspects of Britain. You know, I like the Great British Baking Show. I like uh, Love Island, as I've said. I like Dua Lipa, um, Stormzy. I like, I like, I like aspects of British culture. But when it comes to this royal family nonsense, and it seems like the media surrounding the royal family, it just it doesn't sit well with me. So I'm glad that they're doing what's best for them and what's probably best for that kid, and they'll be fine. Meghan Markle was an actress. I'm sure she can be an actress again if she left her responsibilities as a queen or whatever. I'm sure she can be an actress again and make some money. If she can be an actress again, then she'll be in high demand, I bet. Like, Meghan Markle's return to television or her return to film or anything like that. I actually don't think I've ever seen anything Meghan Markle has been in, but... Maybe if she comes back, I'll give it a spin. See if she still has the acting chops, you know? But anyway, where are we going from here? I just watched a football game. I watched the Ravens game, the Ravens and Titans. And Lamar Jackson, my boy, my friend, my close personal friend, Lamar Jackson, couldn't get it done. And I'm very upset. And if you don't know, if you don't watch football... Lamar Jackson is probably going to be the most valuable player of the National Football League. He's very good. He's very fun. He's very true to himself. And everyone thought that they would be the more mediocre Tennessee Titans. And people have been hyping Lamar Jackson all year, saying he's the best. He's so good. He's doing things that no one has done before. He's so electric. And in my mind, and I can't take credit for like predicting that the Titans were going to win, but in my mind, I was like, this is going to be bad. We're hyping him up too much. And once we hype him up so much, when the thing goes wrong, when something goes wrong, it's just going to all fall apart. And that's what happened with Tennessee today. And on the other hand, Tennessee, who like scraped and dragged themselves to the playoffs, they beat the New England Patriots, who won last year. And they beat the Ravens, who were the number one seed this year. They're killing it great story. If they win the Super Bowl, it's going to be one of the greatest stories. But I fear with a lot of people that like we overhype them so much that they cannot possibly live to the hype. I feel that way about like Alexandria, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC. I feel like we overhype her or like a lot of people who like her overhype her and like, oh, you should be president. You're the best. X, Y, Z you know, dot, 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 you're so great, you're so wonderful, you're so loyal. And then if she slips up or if she says something that maybe isn't taken the way that it's intended, then what do we do? Are we going to rip her to shreds? Are we going to, you know, be so disappointed like we were rooting for you and now everything is shit because you said one thing or you didn't live up to the hype one time? I think like that has the potential to happen. I don't want it to happen. I like AOC just as much as the next guy likes AOC. But <clears throat> when it ha- if it does happen, like I just have that feeling like when we hype someone up so much 
and then it all comes down. Think about Lizzo. You can think about Lizzo. Lizzo's been more and more controversial. I feel like Lizzo burst, she didn't burst onto the scene, but when she started gaining notoriety, I didn't see any negative negativity towards Lizzo at all. And then Lizzo, you know, started doing more things and being in the public eye more and more, did things that some people disagree with. And when that happened, people tore her all the way down and people made fun of her for all types of reasons, just looking for an excuse to make fun of Lizzo and tear Lizzo down. And when we do things like that, when we hype thing people up so much, I just feel like what comes what goes up has to come down. And the higher you go, the further your meteor comes crashing down. And you know, I don't I don't know what how to fix it. I don't have the answers, but it just it, it I feel it in my bone. I felt it with Lamar Jackson and then it happened. Of course Lamar Jackson his career isn't ruined. He had a great season and he should be very, very proud of himself and, you know, get back at it next year. But I felt that it wasn't, I felt that the Ravens weren't going to win the Super Bowl this year. The Ravens who are Lamar Jackson's team, if I didn't make that clear. But I felt that, I felt that it, it, there would be a bad game for the Ravens and it wouldn't work out. I didn't expect it to be towards the Titans, but that's what happened. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm drinking water. My throat is not used to podcasting. It's been a while since I've done this, and this is probably going to be a little bit on the shorter side. But going forward in the future, I want to get these bad boys to an hour long. And who knows? This this may still be an hour long. I'm not done yet, so it still may be an hour long. But I feel like this one will be a little bit on the shorter side, and then we'll come back fully strong next Sunday with just a absolute meaty package of a podcast and just a full length hour long fully loaded all the toppings and servings and all that stuff um but anyway speaking of being torn down i want to talk about star wars for a minute i am not a huge star wars person i'm not super into the lore i'm not super into all the the details of star wars but I do like Star Wars. I do like watching Star Wars movies. And I've seen pretty much every Star Wars movie. All the mainline Star Wars movies and the Rogue One and Solo. All those movies I've seen. And I have a problem with Star Wars that has nothing to do with the movie. It has nothing to do with the franchise. It has to do with the fans. Star Wars fans hate Star Wars more than anybody else. Like there are, I'm sure there are people who don't like Star Wars and choose not to associate with Star Wars, but the people who actually like Star Wars, the people who actually dedicate their life to Star Wars, they all hate it. I, I've never seen something like this. Every Star Wars fan on the internet seems to hate Star Wars. Like the people who watch Star Wars and actually like Star Wars, like the people who claim to be fans that actually like Star Wars seem to be in a very small minority. Maybe I'm just, you know, being dumb here, but the people who dedicate their lives to this, they dedicate so much time to learning about Star Wars lore and watching these movies and re-watching these movies and talking about these movies and cosplaying and buying things and merch and all that stuff. They hate it. They hate Star Wars. I, It makes almost no sense to me because to me 
the best way to enjoy Star Wars, and if we want to extend it further, the best way to watch any, like, science fiction, fantasy, superhero movie, like Avengers, X-Men, Transformers, the best way to watch it is just to watch it. Stop giving a fuck about timelines for two hours. Just sit there and watch a fun, colorful movie. Watch, you know, lightsabers and blasters and rocket ships for two hours and you're fine. And just enjoy the storyline for what it is. Don't think about connecting it back to other movies or how it's going to go forward into other movies. Just watch it and you'll be fine. I feel this way about Avengers. I feel this way about X-Men. The best way to watch these movies is just to watch the movie. And I know that that's not realistic for people who have dedicated their lives to this. I know it's not realistic for people who dedicate themselves to the lore. I can say, in my case, going to what I like, Pokemon, is something that I, I really like. And I go into the lore of those games. And I like go a little bit deeper than just a casual player would. I'm, I don't just sit there and consume it and then throw it away, right? But if you're not dedicated to these things in that way, just watch the movie and you'll be fine. Stop connecting. Stop trying to make connections with everything. Stop caring so much about it. And once you stop caring so much, it becomes a good movie. Like I sat my dumb ass down in a theater, watched Star Wars, and had a fucking great time. I didn't leave the theater sad or upset or anything like that or disappointed. I just had a fucking great time just sitting on my dumb little ass eating popcorn and hot dogs just watching fucking blue and red and pink and green lightsabers and blasters and robots for two hours in fucking space like what more do you need you have all the science fiction ingredients you're making a big pot of science fiction gumbo and you just sit there and enjoy it that's all you need to do and I realize that you, you can't do that. I feel like if you can't do that for Star Wars, do it for something else. Do it for Avengers. Do it for X-Men. Do it for anything else that you watch that you don't have such a big you know, connection to. I think that another way where I'm a little bit hypocritical to this is John Wick. Like I went slightly deeper into John Wick lore than I did with like Avengers or star wars or transformers or anything like that but for the most part just watch the movie once you just sit your ass down sit your little tiny baby ass down and just watch the movie you'll be fine you will be so fine you'll you'll enjoy much more movies that way like once you just like oh i'm just watching a movie and you'll enjoy movies like i barely have movies that i don't like there are, I mean, certain movies are better than others, right? Like Knives Out was better than Men in Black 4, for example. But if you just sit down and enjoy it for what it is, you'll have a better time. You'll be much happier. And you can't do that with everything. Like my life would be much easier if I didn't care about sports and I didn't get stressed out by sports all the time. But for the things that I'm not invested in, just chill, just relax, just relax Sit down in the movie theater, sit down on your couch, on your bed or whatever, and just watch and you'll be fine. Just uncritically think about things. And I also want to talk about John Boyega for a second, because John Boyega has been letting loose on social media now that like, I guess his contract is up. He did all his Disney movies 
and now he's letting loose on fans. And I found it weird about Star Wars because when the first new Star Wars movie was announced in like probably 2015, I think, was that when The Force Awakens came out? Something like that. And we saw John Boyega for the first time. And he would, John Boyega was, you know, his natural black self, his natural, you know, African self. And that trailer, that first Star Wars trailer in 2015, I swear on a whole bunch of things, that turned people alt-right. I remember seeing it. People were so upset that John Boyega was black in a Star Wars movie, even though Star Wars had Billy D. Williams and Samuel L. Jackson. They were so upset about this black man leading a Star Wars movie that they turned alt-right. And I think that might be why John Boyega's character, why Finn turned out the way he did. Certainly, fan backlash turned Kelly Marie Tran's character into what it became in the third movie. But people were so mad. I saw it on the internet. I saw when the alt-right was gaining more traction. I could trace it back to that Star Wars trailer, where at least if it didn't turn people alt-right, it made them comfortable with expressing alt-right ideas. And I don't think Disney was cool with that. And how John Boyega's character turned out might have been because of that. Kelly Marie Tran, who didn't deserve anything of what she got, my God, Star Wars fans hated Star Wars so much that they went and attacked an innocent actress on social media made her delete all her shit good fucking god her character in the third movie if i was to criticize a third movie is that it doesn't make sense for a character to end up the way it does but i understand it did most likely because of the fan backlash and they wanted to limit the fan backlash in that way as much as they possibly could but it just the fans became so offensive and so racist if they didn't stop being fans altogether. They attacked John Boyega for a whole bunch of things and he's just been letting loose on social media. He's been dunking on everyone and good for him. Good for John Boyega. Good for you. People tear you down for a trilogy's worth of movies. You get to tear them down right back. Because I feel like nowadays, like social media, and I'm not one of these people that hate social media. I mean... If I did, would I be podcasting? No, I, I wouldn't be if I hated social media. But I do think that social media has a negative effect on how we look at celebrities. Like we expect celebrities to like be sort of very relatable, but also not respond to negativity and also be perfect and also, you know, speak when spoken to and also you know be a great performer 100% of the time like we have such high expectations for all these celebrities and it makes no sense like I saw a tweet about Beyonce saying Beyonce is a great artist but she's boring because she isn't as active on social media like what the fuck are you talking about Beyonce one of the best performers that we have we're blessed to live in the same time period as Beyonce, where Beyonce performs for us. She does not have to do that. Beyonce does not have to perform for us regular people. No artist is obligated to perform for us. Like if I was an artist, like if I was a singer, I would never do 
any of those big ass arena bowl concerts. I would do like tiny desk concerts. I'd have like 15 of you. I'd have a little acoustic guitar and I would just sing to 15 of you. I would not be dancing and doing choreography and whipping my hair back and forth. Absolutely fucking not. But people think that now like we have social media and access to celebrities is right in front of our faces. Like I can go to any celebrity's Instagram and I can go, I can like, I can comment, I can interact and hope and pray that they interact with me back. But everyone's relationship with social media is different. You can't expect every celebrity to interact on social media the same or interact with their fans the same way. And I think with like quote unquote influencers and YouTubers that also ruins like the traditional celebrity image because YouTubers influencers are even more accessible, right? Like we can directly talk to YouTubers a lot of the time. They'll comment back on their videos or they'll comment back on Instagram or they'll like retweet or they'll like talk to fans more than maybe a mainline celebrity would or a traditional celebrity would. They would interact with their fans on a closer level and people expect that YouTube personality to be in the traditional celebrities like a Beyonce or like, I don't know who else, but it just, it makes no sense. It's so warped. It's part of the reason why I do not associate with the quote unquote Stan community. Stan Twitter, being a Stan, being a Stan is bad. Being a Stan is inherently bad. Like even, I'm not a fan of Eminem at all actually, but when Eminem made Stan and coined Stan, like it was originally supposed to be bad. And Stan has morphed and changed meaning, but I still think that at its core, being a Stan is inherently bad. Being a Stan, for the most part, requires like an unhealthy relationship with social media and, you know, a toxic environment. And yeah, toxic is a heavy word nowadays. And I don't like using it so much. And I've used it twice in this podcast. But I do think that that's where it's headed. And we have this unnecessary reactions with celebrities and unnecessary interactions and unnecessary expectations with celebrities. And it's just, I just don't like it. I mean, social media is so good and so positive in a lot of ways, and it can help people in so many ways. But then there's these downsides to it. And I'm like, why does this have to exist? You can just not tweet that. You can just not behave that way. You can behave in an acceptable way. You don't have to do all that dumb shit. And then we'd be fine. But people continually do dumbass shit on social media. And then social media, you know, a lot of it is based on algorithms. And if you don't fuck with the algorithm, you can get buried in a pile of shit. And it just, it becomes shitty and you have to dig yourself out of the shit. But anyway, social media is great. And I love Twitter and Instagram. Um, And also, I enjoyed Star Wars. Wouldn't you know? How crazy is that? I actually enjoyed Star Wars. The Star Wars fans, a lot of them didn't. How crazy is that? Um, And speaking of social media, have you guys watched The Circle on Netflix? I'm not going to go in depth about it, but The Circle on Netflix is like a reality show where like eight contestants are doing like a closed social media experiment and I'm watching it and I'm all the way caught up and I'm losing my fucking mind. And if you want, if you're interested in losing your mind, Circle on Netflix or The Circle on Netflix. And it's a reality show with real people and real personalities. And if you want to lose your mind like me, go for it. 
Trust me. But anyway, I want to wrap this up. And I think I, I think I did a pretty good job. I'm a little animated and I'm a little hyped up and my throat is a little bit sore. So I'm going to cut this a little bit short, but it is a new year. And I want to talk about my thoughts on New Year's resolutions because I don't really make New Year's resolutions. I'm not a big resolution guy. I was at one point for one year, one year when I was in college, I made a resolution to floss more. I thought, you know, set a small resolution that's manageable, floss more, floss consistently, don't skip floss day, and that can be a resolution, right? And I did that. I stuck that I'm a flosser, right? I floss. But other than that, I'm not a big resolution guy. And I realized this year, or 2019, right? That what I don't want to do, I was thinking about like how I want to, you know, attack this new year and approach this new year. Because I do like want to make improvements. I do want to, you know, be better. And I want to make progress. I don't want to feel like I'm in the same space. It's not new year, new me, but it's also not new year, same me. It's new year, me in progress, right? And I always want to see like, what moves can I make or what can I do this year, right? But what I realize is that I can't be the, if I do X, Y, and Z, then I'll be satisfied with my year. Because what I was doing is I was turning my life into a science experiment. I was thinking, I have to do this, I have to do this, and I have to do that, and only then will I be happy? And even then, it's a maybe. Maybe I'll be happy and maybe I'll be satisfied with my life if I do those things. I was turning my life into this weird science experiment. And I was like, I had to stop myself. And I was like, wait, let's just be better, right? Let's just try to be the best person that you can be, right? And if you do resolutions, that's great. I'm not telling you not to do resolutions. I'm not telling you to do anything, really. I'm just saying how I feel about it. But I was like not turning my life into a science experiment and just trying to actually experience life. And there's things I want to do and there's, you know, changes I want to make. But I want to do it in a way where I'm just experiencing life. I'm just living and I'm not constantly experimenting. And I feel like resolutions can teeter into that territory where I'm just making my life an experiment and just going from there. But other than that, I hope you have a happy new year. I'm going to cut it here. Um, and I think I did pretty good. It was a good session. And then hopefully next time we get a longer, meatier, chunkier section or session. Um, I'm losing my ability to talk. It's, it's been a while. Bear with me. But I do think I do want anyone listening to have a happy 2020 if you're listening to this and it's not a new year, if you're listening to this and it's 2030 or whatever, I hope you're having a good day. I hope you're having a wonderful day. I really honestly and truly do. I hope you're safe wherever you are. I hope you're, you know, progressing and, you know, improving and, you know, manifesting and any other word that's related to those things. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening. If you're listening and you're still listening after one 40 minutes and two after I took a break unfucking announced um for so many months at this point. I appreciate you and I, I really fuck with you and I hope you fuck with me in some way. Um yeah, that's all. Thank you for listening.
please be safe. Please be, you know, nice to others. Please, you know, don't let the world burning take all your energy from you. And yeah, I'll hopefully talk to you guys next week. Love you. Goodbye. Thank you.